Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. This is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Robert? I'm really good, as always. As, al- well, as always? Yeah, because I just feel like, when would I ever say, really bad today? When you had meningitis, which you kept banging on about. Oh, we brought that one up already. <laughs> yeah, your, that's your, it. Your no more talking about Your agent in LA is going to love that one. <laughs> no, Margate is fed up of hearing about. Oh, Margate about. is fed up of hearing like, about. Enough with Margate. No more to the double M, because apparently every single M&Ms. person I meet, I, Russell walks up to them after I've met them for like five minutes. Do you know, he, goes, he had meningitis. Do you know yeah. he's got a place in Margate? And yeah. they're like, yeah, we've heard. You're obsessed. Yeah. So who's our guest today, Rob? Our guest today, I met in the Balearic Islands about three or four years ago. Oh, the dogs Balearics. It was uh, it was summertime. It was like a beautiful breeze. And the funny thing was, the funny wow. thing was, we were going for lunch in was it Fort- a date. No, it wasn't a date. He's very straight. Um, there, there was a. Oh, you wished was, it was a date. There was a beautiful view, yeah, and I remember sitting funny. at this lunch, and we were expecting this person to arrive with a big group of people, and um, we thought it was Jamie Beauchere, who is a really well-known uh, kind of supermodel icon, Mark Jacobs, like photographed her a lot for when he was at Louis Vuitton she's incredible I love her okay um so we thought this Jamie was coming and we were like oh Jamie's coming for lunch with all our friends la la and then suddenly this group turned up and it wasn't Jamie Beauchere it (laughs) It was was. boy Jamie so (laughs) he became known to us as Jamie boy and Jamie girl was still in Ibiza and um yeah so he is a photographer and I actually did know his work before I met him mm. um, and had seen his advertisement campaigns for Loewe, which J.W. Anderson had commissioned at the time um, when he first took over the kind of creative direction of, of the brand. And I was blown away by these photographs because for me, they looked like art. Um, well, they were art- artworks in a way, but in fashion magazines. And it really struck me at the time, his use of light and atmosphere and a kind of sensuality that was different and um, I hadn't really seen it in contemporary magazines. So it was really exciting at the time. So when I actually heard his name uh, and Jamie Boy, uh, <laughs> I heard his surname, I was so excited because I actually really respected what he'd done. And I'd, oh. I'd literally been talking to Carmen March, who I was with on holiday, um, about his photography like the week before and had no idea I was about to meet him. So it was oh. quite a nice uh, synchronicity moment. Um, so we would like to welcome... Okay. Jamie Hawksworth. Thanks, guys. <laughs> How are you, Jamie? Very good. Thanks for the kind intro. That's Robert. all right. Uh, yeah, good. Was that a true intro? Was that a nice? It's very sweet. Yeah, thank you. I feel like I've always been very like fanboy around you. It was. It was a very nice breeze that day. So. Oh, it was. <laughs> like, I really want to know about this breeze. It's incredible. You remembered it. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful spot. There. Why was you in Formentera? Was it where was it? Formentera. Yeah, but we shouldn't tell people at Formentera because oh. I don't want anyone else to go there because I love breeze. it so much. Because of the breeze. I just love. Got it. It's a unique. I was. I, on, I was sort of like on a mini wind. mini holiday. Oh, nice. You weren't to... working there. No, I wasn't working there. So oh, just... okay. Yeah, and we crossed paths, which was great. Oh, that's mm. nice. So, Rob loves you because Rob's a big fashion boy. I mean, I like fashion, yeah. but Rob saw your work through fashion. Yeah. But as well as being one of our top fashion photographers, one of our biggest exports, British <laughs> exports, you're also, your work is art. Your work is shown in uh, the public persona. The work is shown in public institutions, and you've had lots of shows all around the world. How did, how did that crossover happen how did how did you get into the fashion photography uh well we i kind of got into photography in a very sort of strange about way I, I i was actually studying forensic science at university and i did that for a year um and the course was kind of cut up into two halves it was half very practical and half very law 
heavy law based right. and I failed my law exam and the one thing that I really loved about the practical side of forensics was they had all these mock crime scene houses up in Preston and we would like collect collect evidence and then document the evidence very objectively with photography oh, right. and, that, and that was the very first time I kind of saw photography in a in kind of a, a different light, so to they speak. was all mock- you never went to a real crime. Scene, no, they were all like they, they, you went alone. It was quite. It was still kind of amazing because they they basically brought a whole street of houses, and each different each house was a different scene. It was kind of remarkable. So crazy. Yeah, it was really great. Like um, a film set type. Thing, yeah, I'll complete one hundred percent. Did they have like actors and stuff there? Yeah, yeah. Then people, someone was dead, and you'd go upstairs, and someone would be dead in the bath, and. You know, it was kind of. It was. Did they ever give you a wink or anything? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm alive. It was every, Friday mornings at like eight in the morning. You would go into the lab and you would you would you would talk through the theory of it all. Yeah. And then it'd be like, right, put 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 your gear on and we'll go down the street. And it was kind of as simple as that. And it was it was amazing because you know once you collect the evidence and you're documenting it, I just saw it was just a like a, a, a sort of little light switch went off where it's like, wow, photography can. You know, you can use photography in this way, and then, like I said, I failed the law, and I was like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I spoke to my dad, and I said, you know, I think photography would be interesting. And then I switched course, and I, I, I really did kind of fall in love with it, sort of immediately. Right. And I kind of really, you know, it just took over my life, I suppose. So, I, I, so what age was it when you first picked up a camera? It was uh, nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah, and then I studied for two years for photography, and then I graduated. What was the first um, sort of pictures you were taking? I walked. I the funny thing was I because I, I I loved it so much that I always felt really guilty when I wasn't taking pictures because I thought God I found something I really loved doing I should make the most of it and yeah. the most accessible thing to do was just walk the streets because I didn't really know how to use a studio I wasn't very technical so I kept it extremely simple I, I remember I was given this medium format camera when I first started. And that's the camera I use now, mm. and I so I've kept it extremely simple. And at what that, does that mean, medium format? Medium format is like the size of the negative. So you have like a, a thirty-five mil camera, yeah. which people look, I guess are more familiar with. Yeah. And then one jump up is a six-seven, and then up there, you, one jump is like a five-four, and then a ten-eight. Right, right. Um, what one did you have to start with? Uh, a six-seven. Six-seven. So I so funny enough, I skipped thirty-five mil photography. So when I started the course, because I I'd, I'd missed year one. I, I was given this medium format camera like well, there you go and I I, I was part I, of the course as part of the course yeah oh wow. and, I and, and I was never and I didn't I wasn't taught 35 mil photography so I sort of skipped a stage which was kind of funny uh, because, did you have to teach yourself that after? yeah and, and oh. it was so funny because I was on a photography course and I thought oh I'll rent out a 35 mil to see how it works and I had to go into Jessup's to ask how to load the <gasps> camera but I could load a I could load a medium format camera so it was kind of a funny yeah, little yeah, moment Mr. Blip yeah yeah um, so yeah, like I said, I, the most accessible thing to do was just go out and take people's portraits. Uh-huh. So very quickly, I got into kind of, you know, the the sort of exchange you have with a stranger is such an interesting one, and you kind of have to you sort of put yourself on the line as much as a stranger does. You know, you're, you're it's very sort of nerve wracking. So I immediately got. Into oh, so when you say walking the streets, you're actually approaching people. Yeah, you're yeah. Not, you're so not photographing like a plant or a, a paving slab. Or... I did do that, but yeah. then then you know naturally I was people started to catch my eye. So right. then I would like you know it's very hard when you first begin to approach strangers because you're like well what do i say yeah um but i i, qu- I very quickly kind of learned how to, to what the what the right things were to say and i suppose I, you've got to charm people to feel like they're going to feel safe yeah because it's not... such a fleeting relationship you know yeah. it's like it can last a minute really yeah uh so it's sort of a strange one um so i started doing that a lot and that's kind of how i i very quickly got into kind of the details of what people would wear and the way that they would look and their body language and you know just things that you might kind of miss normally I've got really my eye kind of got right in there and I was fascinated with it so I guess that's kind of where you know my fascination with people came and then later on I guess that led to and their personality through clothing yeah a little bit yeah yeah yeah. I mean I wasn't sort of right at the beginning I wasn't really consciously thinking the relationship like you say between their attitude and their clothing necessarily it was kind of it was very naive it was something would just sort of stick out and I would I'd run towards it without right. really even thinking about it. Right. Um, and then I started to do the Preston bus station project, which is where I really did. It was like a sort of a, a kind of a, a sort of explosion went off in my head. I think because I the the very nature of the bus station was it was a, it was built like a circle. So I used to circle the circle every day for a month. So from cool. from eight in the morning to eight in the evening, and it was the centre for the mega bus also. So you had people from the south of England moving through up to the north and vice versa. So mm. this was incredible space where I could literally walk in circles, 
and photograph people. And I also thought you were dodgy, right? Do you know what? I, I, <laughs> I got so many. It was f- really funny. Like one day, you know, I'd start the day and like 10 minutes in, I'd be called a paedophile. And you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Really? Yeah, 100%. Um, and it's sort of funny. And I, But the thing, I, I, you know, I got permission from the security and, and they knew that I was there. Mm. So it was sort of... Um, it was fine, but you did all... you ever do it furtively? Take pictures of people, or did you always was your no, thing? You go and ask them, and then exactly. they pose for you. Yeah, yeah. It was right. all. It was always. I always want. I felt it was so important to have, like I say, that kind of exchange and, and that relationship that. because yeah. you know so much. You know, and this was sort of something I thought a lot afterwards. You know, the way that I am as a person, and the way that I talk to people, and the way that I, they, I look, and the way that I use my camera, it really affects the way that a portrait ends up coming out, and mm. the way that someone responds to you is so important so I made that decision very early on that I didn't want to kind of sneak around and take people's p- pictures I, I I wanted the exchange and the, the re- you know the relationship to form even if it was like a fleeting one like, a, like a and you did that for a month I did that for a month yeah. and that was in Preston so you were studying in Preston weren't you at the University of L- Lancashire yeah UCLan it's called yeah <laughs> and you were part of this collective called Preston is my Paris yeah so uh, Adam Murray that, and Robert Patterson who Adam Adam taught me photography right um, and he, they made a little zine like you say Preston is my Paris which was it was really amazing it was all sorts of things but you know it was sort of any, everything from sort of found objects to interviews to people that were working up in Preston or making art um, and then Adam asked me to come for a weekend to make a newspaper about the bus station so that was the very first thing and how old were um, you then? Was I was like... I I just graduated so I would have been 21 okay. Preston is my Paris is such an amazing title it's for perfect group, like saying celebrate your local place and make yeah. that your culture inspiration yeah, yeah 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 so I was thinking of that like I'm from Bilirikia saying so in Bilirikia is my Berlin but it yeah, hasn't yeah. got the same sort of, <laughs> it hasn't got the same sort of ring it's I got a ring like it's ring. got a, a slight ring I like yeah. that yeah and uh, last year um, you published a book well you didn't but Dashwood Books published a book yeah um, who are an amazing uh, store in New York yeah and a publisher who I love yeah, David's great yeah really great but um of of all those photographs, so even though what, what year were they taken? Two thousand and no, so so in so in two thousand and nine, I think when I graduated, I went back for for two days. Mm. And Adam at the time was doing kind of black and white architectural pictures, and his friend Robert was doing like sort of details on Polaroid. And mm. we also had this architect write a piece for the newspaper, and it was a very simple. There was four four portraits that I did, and Adam's and Robert's pictures, and we we created like I think five hundred newspapers. And then left them in the bus station so people could pick them up and take oh, them home, wow. or, nice. or chuck them in the bin, or, or whatever yeah, it may yeah. be. Um, and then two years later, the bus station was going to be demolished. Oh. So I had this kind of heart attack where I was like, "God, it was so great to be in there for that weekend." And I thought, I thought, you know, the bus station's not never going to disappear. I'll go back another day and ma- maybe take some more. Yeah. But then when I heard that news, I was like, "Fuck, I've got to move back to Preston and spend every day there for as long as it takes." Um, it, before it gets demolished, so that's exactly what I did. Has it did gone you? there? I didn't know no, that. so and then it got saved. Um, there was this huge petition, and it's a, this, it's an incredible, brutalist building. Yeah, so it's, oh, it's listed now. Yeah, it's listed. Oh, fantastic! So but it, also, so your book saved. has become a kind of like a part of that, I guess, hasn't it? Like, well, it was funny because I, I documented that space. I, I I had this sort of weird dream where um, I had an exhibition in the space, and I put all the pictures up on the walls. And weirdly, a little part of me loved the idea that when the bus station would be demolished, my photos would sort of crumble away yeah, with it. Yeah. Oh, really? Kind of this sort of romantic idea of destruction and whatever. Right. But then, obviously, I was extremely happy that it didn't get demolished. Are they still up? Yeah, well, they're perfect. Yeah, there's, there's one that's still up, but they, it's like vinyl. So they sort of peeled a lot off. Right. But there's like one right in like the top left hand corner of like right, a boy right. of like a boy leaning on his hand. Oh wow! Uh, I guess they can't be bothered to kind of get a ladder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, no. but, but do you uh, ever see them like the models for these? Uh, were they just that photo and you've never seen them since? No. I, so when I did the show in there, there was a few of them that came. Oh really? Um, and this, the, what, there's a there's a picture of a woman with a, a she's waiting for the bus and she has a really small watch on and a leather bag and she has this kind of amazing haircut. Um, she must be about sixty years old and she came with her daughter. And she was massive. Like I, I blew up. It's one of my favourite pictures. So I blew it up huge, and she couldn't quite believe that. You know, uh, you should, something as simple as waiting for a bus, and then two years later, she's kind of blown up massive. Did she like the picture? Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She do you, do got... you name them after your sitters, or do, did you name the photos after? No, I don't really name them. Actually, I've never really named them. I kind of just um, say Preston bus station, and, and then wow. the date. Because I guess actually, it's kind of true to how it was in the in the moment. Because 
a lot of people, you know, they'd say yes to having their portrait, but they didn't really want to say much more. Yeah. You know, they were kind of right. waiting for the bus and getting on with their day. And, you know, luckily they let me creep into their life for like a second, but then that was kind of it. So it's sort of nice that I like the pictures that they kind of stay true to that. So you don't really get people's names because yeah. I never did, you know, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Anonymous, but you just yeah. Yeah, take them for what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, and that was your that was your big kind of moment. Th- yeah, that was that my was really launch. that was my very first project, and then I started to show people down here in London the newspaper and some of the photographs, and that's how I kind of then started to, because when once I graduated university, I tried to assist quite a few documentary photographers, and no one really needed assistance, and a fr- and a- actually Adam said, well, you should try fashion photographers because they always need assistance. Oh. so that's kind of how I then started to get even you know obviously get more into even just being in that environment because I was assisting fashion photographers. Mm-hmm. So every, you know, during the week I'd assist and then every single weekend I'd, I'd catch a train around England and take and carry on taking portraits of people. So it was always constantly... What, like train stations and bus stations? Yeah, train again, stations, or? bus stations, but more more so just picking a place, going there, not knowing what I'm going to come across and then just leave the station and walk around. What do you well, think is it cool. about them places that inspires you then? I think it's not... It's sort of the unknowing, I guess. At that at that point, it was like, well, I don't know this place. I've never been there, so I'm going to go see what it's about. Yeah. And it's sort of the the uncertainty of it all, and the I guess being kind of open to chance is what I found really exciting. And the idea of getting on a train or a bus and going on like a trip yeah. felt so exciting to me. And so you're still, like an adventurer. Yeah, yeah, with kind a camera. Of. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. It's kind of like you. It gives you, you know, I was so fascinated with not knowing what I was going to come across. And yeah. I think that actually that's quite hard to be open to sometimes because I think particularly with anything creative, sometimes you kind of, I think you can sort of, the the, the idea of an idea is yeah. quite heavy, you can get quite heavy. So I, I like the the sort of the lightness of just going somewhere and then seeing, what I, seeing what I came across. And I, and I learned that in the bus station. I know that the, the, that was an idea itself, but then being in there, I never knew who I would see. You know, I never knew because there was people coming in and out and I, I you know, it was, I never knew what I would see. So I, I, I kind of stayed true to that little detail and then that's informed pretty much not all of my work since really. What is a successful portrait to you? It's a good question. Uh, like I say, I, I, I think it is, uh, it's important that there is an exchange between you and the and and the person that you're photographing and and that almost your point of view on that person sort of dissipates and then it becomes like this sort of I don't know I think with a good portrait there's a quite a lot of space around it and you don't really see the photographer and you and you kind of just you just appreciate that person in their all in all their glory and, that, and that's it I think do you like the conceptual story to get in that portrait for you that's personal yeah yeah personal yeah well just just the simplicity of a portrait is also fantastic in that, you know, if I'm just walking the street or I go to a place and I just come across this person and I ask to take their port, you know, just the, the simplicity in that is, I think is such a wonderful thing because, you know, strange, it's a stranger. And then suddenly you have this relationship for a minute and then you've created something and, and it's sort of, it's fascinating really that that can still happen. They're like historical documents, aren't they? You've captured like a moment, especially when it comes to fashion, when it comes like on street fashion. I yeah. Mean, you, you really can define a period of time by capturing that. No, moment. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I've always been really blown away by your use of light. And I think partly because of your experience of, you know, just going out onto the street and you yeah. don't have studio lights and all that stuff. Yeah. And you obviously learned to take photograph uh, f- photographs that way. Yeah. Somehow you're really good at knowing how to find the right light in a picture. And actually the front cover of the Preston um, bus stop book yeah. has incredible light behind the guy's afro. I mean, it's this yeah, incredible, it's beautiful photograph, almost like angelic or something, quite religious I couldn't or something. Qu- I couldn't quite believe when I... If you could imagine being in this big circle and sort of coming around the top half of the circle and this kid being at the bottom end of it mm. and he was just standing there, he, he wasn't quite looking like that, he was kind of just doing nothing mm. uh, and this light was coming and I kind of ran. I was like, fuck, like I couldn't believe my eyes. And it's sort of, again, there's sort of what was great about the bus station was you did have these huge windows and on one side you have kind of self-light that was always had this warm light coming in. And on the other side, you had north light, which was very kind of cold and indirect. You know, it was very soft, uh, but but not sun. Um, and I very quickly learned that, okay, if I stand, if I take someone's portrait in north-facing light, it's kind of going to look like this. Right. And if I take them in south-facing light, it's going to kind of have this feel. 
So it was sort of, it was the first place where I could, because re- actually it's quite hard to look at light, you know, it's everywhere, but you don't really necessarily look at it. Exactly. And and what was great about the bus station was that you had these amazing people in there and I could see how light was affecting them. So That's I could so see light for the, for the first time, you know, once I'd switched from photography, from forensics, I wasn't kind of walking around the street looking at light. I was just looking at the people, so to speak. And know. there's definitely a sensitivity that you have and a kind of subtle approach to it somehow where I can always know when it's your work which is quite unusual in photography in a way when it's become so ubiquitous and so everywhere and everyone's taking Mm. pictures and are a photographer yours still has this very strong language Mm. as do you know there's other fashion photographers who I think also operate you know outside of fashion somehow like even Tim Walker because his his shots are so over the top yeah but even Alistair McClellan who's in you know does fashion shoots but when you see his photos you know they're his but yours are very much yours and I just think that's such a interesting thing and right now um Edward Enningful has obviously taken over at Vogue in the last few years and doing an incredible job and he commissioned you to take a picture of Kate Moss which is on the front cover of the new issue I think isn't it coming yeah. out now Yeah. Um, and that picture the, I saw it come up on Instagram the other day and I was like that's a Jamie picture and I didn't <laughs> actually know it was you posting it. maybe it was him who posted it I can't remember but it was yeah. the breeze wasn't I, it I, I saw it the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> you know. but I just thought that was Kate at her most truthful somehow it yeah. felt like a real portrait of her and there was something about a bit like the cover of that book that just your way of using light or you know in the photo well it was really I mean in the context of that it was incredibly again it was so simple we didn't have any hair and makeup there wasn't a stylist she was on holiday in, in India and I went by myself um, did you? Yeah, and just went to take her port, essentially take her portrait, and so we you're had- really cheap for them as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like a cheap deal. <laughs> yeah, that's why he asked me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, and uh, so uh, you know, it, it's staying, it's staying as true as I can to the way that I always really enjoy taking pictures. In is there such a simplicity, and and actually, like what you say about r- recognizing photographs, I think that in a kind of natural way, when I first started traveling around England and go t- and going to places. It would always be quite cold, and once I got the pictures back, it, it it didn't feel as optimistic as I would like. So I started to warm up the pictures a little bit because oh. I wanted the pictures to feel very optimistic and celebratory of a place. And naturally, in the dark room, I kind of started to shift the colours from being a little bit more on the warmer side. And I think, and you know, obviously, you know, your relationship with colour, particularly as a photographer or, or, or enjoying photography or art or whatever, you know, is so important in the way that you interpret colour and what it means to you. Mm. And I think that. Once you un- once as a photographer you can understand your your palette, then you can start uh, articulating that in your photographs, and then you can kind of tell when that's someone's picture. Are you right. proud of that photo you took of Kate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah, I think in the context, like I said, yeah. I, I, is that I, one of your favourites you put forward, and then they choose, or do you? Can you actually say this is the one I want, guys? I I mean, I've always been quite uh, tight with my edits only simply because you know I spend so much time in the dark room editing and editing and then editing down even more and I always sort of so you always work on film as well yeah yeah it's all analog that's amazing because you rarely hear people talk about the dark room nowadays it's always about yeah it's had a it's had a great resurgence uh, if that's the word yeah uh, you know like six years ago ish it was sort of almost I remember I had this it's the same dark room I have now but I have this I had this really small dark room in a really small rental dark room mm. and now that dark room is now grown and they've got two spaces they're, oh, wow. they're about to get another one so it's really changed it's like um music as well with uh, vinyl records yeah. and how they and rough trade really help promote them in london and mm. how that's ended up becoming a thing again i'm yeah. so happy for that but because it's more of a risk that you might have corrupt film or you might the work might not come out because you're not seeing it instantly and i mean i've never seen it like that i it's it's the reason i love analog so much it, it really does come down to actually that you're not seeing what you're doing and you're you're you trust Instincts, your gut and your yeah. instinct because you have to. Right. And you learn to sort of do that. And, you know, like with the Kate pictures that I did in India, we did only shot for an hour and I went all the way to India. Wow. And I was like, afterwards, I was like, and I still get it. I'm like, I I go in sort of panic mode yeah, of course. a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's part of it. And I, and I yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of funny. But in the moment... I really I do trust myself in the in the moment because I've ha- I've had to over the last sort of ten years because it's all on analog and I think that translates though into the images I think all of that tension yeah, I think it's a mis- all of that- mistakes is the most unbelievably brilliant thing and I think I have nothing against digital photography because if that's what works for you then, yeah then do fantastic. you ever do it though no 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 wow um, but when I was assisting 
you can see that the 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 the, the idea of a mistake is not allowed to happen because you see you see what you're doing and then mm. someone might have a say oh this shouldn't be like that or we should move this and and then suddenly you're sort of moving away from instinct because you, because you can see you know what does yeah. that make sense yeah, yeah, yeah. so with analog photography I think what's so fantastic about it is it gives room for mistakes and chance so much more because you can't see what you're doing. And actually uh, that that word instinct is so that's exactly what it is for me. I hadn't even thought about that, but that's what you feel in the photographs is this kind of it's like palpable this kind of like you do feel this communication between you and the person in front of you and yeah. that it's genuine. And also I think you don't your work doesn't fetishize um the idea of like street clothing or or even the idea that you're taking pictures without you know, out, outside of the studio without lights, without Photoshop, without all that stuff. It's not even about that somehow. It's just about trying to present something real or something. But again, not in a fetishistic way. Yeah. Which is still valid. And I, you see that in other people's work. No, and it's sure. great, of course. Yeah. But I feel like with you, it's not about that. And I, I feel like we're looking at your photographs. I'm there with that person, particularly in that picture of Kate the other day. I was just That's so blown right. away by that picture. Even I saw it through digital, you know, on my telephone, yeah, yeah, yeah. through Instagram. On a t- I haven't seen it printed yet. Yeah. But I immediately was like, that is an incredible photo of her oh, i feel like it captured her soul and it's a really how does that feel for you then to, be, to have your work on the cover of vogue uh, is that the pinnacle of what it is to be a fashion photographer for you uh yeah i guess i mean i never really think about it like that i guess it's just what i find great about it is get like you know the, the the sort of context of it and the the history that kate has and you know i'm always very you know i i, I tend to be not selective not the right word but i i sort of really wait for projects so i for projects that really inspire me if it's mm. a particular person or if it, if it's a fashion editorial or something like that and you know the history of Kate and obviously her relevance within British culture and mm. in, and in the context of vote it was exciting to then be to Edward to say to Edward I want to go by myself there there shouldn't really be any hair and makeup I don't think there should be a stylist you know what I mean it's mm. sort of that's that's kind of more exciting than necessarily the end product it's more just because of the context it's it's interesting and she was up for that yeah yeah she seemed yeah yeah she That's seemed great she seemed well up did for you have a relationship with her anyway do you know no her? no no i never i'd never met her right um, that's interesting as well because that's probably it's quite good in a way when you don't know people because I guess that creates a new a different kind of way of photographing somebody yeah well I actually I think what, where it may, may have came from from her point of view in, in terms of her uh, wanting to do it was that mm. I'd, I'd actually did a project uh, a cover for Italian Vogue a few years ago and it was of Giselle mm. who's like this you know it's Giselle sort of and I did a similar thing but I went to her home in Boston and I photographed her I think it was at 5.30am in the morning as she, which just as she got out of bed wow um, and that was the idea. And that I, was your idea. Yeah, and I want. Yeah, I wanted. And how much convincing did Giselle need? She was for that? She, no, none. She was like well up for it. Uh, so cool. And it was amazing because I. It's quite a funny story where, uh, you know, I turned up at a house of I think it was you know it was dark um, and it was me and this uh, Kevin who's like the art director of Italian Vogue at the time. Um, and again, no stylist or hair and makeup. And we turned up. We knocked on the door, and I think it was her assistant answered the door, uh, and. She said, "Go upstairs and check if check her wardrobe if if you want her to wear anything." And uh, she obviously wasn't in the room. And then she opened the door and she had like this sort of grey jumper on and um, bunny rabbit uh, slippers. Oh wow! And it was amazing. She looked. She really did look amazing. And that's and we did the picture with the bunny rabbit uh, oh, slippers so on good. down in her kitchen as the sun was coming in. And you know, and that the spirit of that is so it sort of. Tra- and what was so amazing once I did that project, I had so many you know, older women of that, of that age email me and text me saying, God, it, it was just, it, they, it resonated with them. And I thought, and, and I guess it did with Kate as well, maybe. I don't know. And she but, reached out and said, like, thanks, or do you know her response to it? Giselle, yeah, no, she said, yeah, no. And she, what about Kate? Yeah, no, she she likes it. Yeah, she, we were texting and I... I oh, uh, was you, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I, yeah, I, I sent her like a, but I've got like this old Nokia phone. So I, I, I was... What? Yeah, yeah. yeah you are so actually, old school. I texted you last night and it went green instead yeah. of blue. Because you know with iPhones... Well, you that goes, means someone's got a Nokia. No, it just means that they're not on, on Wi-Fi or whatever. It's like an analog text message. And I was like, oh, he must not have a, a smartphone. Yeah. Are you Which not on Instagram? So I, you, I, I, I have an Instagram account, but I don't have it. On, I don't. I can't have it on my phone on the Nokia. What? Why? Why? Why are you on the Nokia? It's a silly thing. It's just I found myself. You like snake? Yeah, I just I'm addicted to snake. <laughs> <laughs> but they, actually, they've updated the snake, so it's nowhere near as good. As it was. It's like this weird sort of bubble cartoon snake instead oh, of. Fuck the, off! I know. It's a shame. Uh, but it's it's because it's going to sound so cheesy saying it over here, but <laughs> it's just because I I noticed that. 
I didn't. You don't really daydream when you have an iPhone. You know, like when no, you're bored or you're on the bus. I did that yesterday. And you're immediately on it. And I and I found myself just doing that I all know. the time. And then with this Nokia, this this you can't do anything with it anyway. No. So I so just, you just like put it in your pocket or support. Yeah, it. and I yeah. just find myself sort of thinking a bit more, which just sounds so silly. It doesn't. It should have silly. I want to do that, but I'm addicted to yeah. my phone. I literally, I literally find myself just spiraling like Me in this too. vortex of checking everything, and then I'm realizing now an and a half, two hours, three hours, yeah, it's gone by, and now you've got this screen time thing that says your screen time's up by forty four percent. I know, and it's like, like what? Uh, you've spent nine hours a day on your. And phone. I've gone back on Instagram since doing the podcast because yeah. we felt like I should be on it. Well, it's work, isn't it? But I actually, yeah. I actually love it though, and I'm, I, I think it's great to be connected in a way. But I know what you mean. You do miss out. I think maybe we need to like have rules backwards. where on the weekend you don't do it or something, so you can daydream again. Yeah, and you can like. Daydream. Dream, you're right because you do end up just daydreaming on your phone yeah it's true maybe yeah but it's not the same as it but no but it is it's, it's, it's that kind of like just like zoning out in a in a weird like trance like but space I, I guess it's phone. nice when you when you daydream without your phone it's sort of this empty black space that you start filling with all sorts of I stuff agree. but it's kind of uh yeah i think when i'm working more I, i'm on my phone less i'm thinking about that but when i'm at work i'm literally just like yeah Fills, Pictures fills of me that, and my dog. Space, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Jamie, I went to the Hepworth Wakefield, I think it was a few years ago. Oh, uh, sorry, yeah. I'm trying to pour oh, tea. Russell's just like I don't throwing like tea cups. I'm angry He's like, about that. Hepworth Wakefield? <laughs> what? <laughs> Throw it around you the room. There. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I, I went there a few years ago and J.W. Anderson had curated a show called Disembodied... Dis, d- disobedient Bodies. Disobedient Bodies. Yeah. J.W. Anderson had curated a show called Disobedient Bodies. And you were included in it in a few different ways. But one of the most interesting was a project that you did photographing local kids. Is that right? Yeah, from Wakefield. Yeah. yeah. And that follows on, I guess, from the Preston um, book in a way. Because yeah. they were like, they're not real models, but they're... Exactly, yeah. They're, and explain that whole project. Well, I actually did a... Um, so after the after the bus station, I started, you know, I started assisting, and then I started to do fashion. And one of the first uh, stylists that I worked with was this guy Benjamin Bruno, a French stylist. Cool. Um, and we did a project up in Newcastle where we took a bag of clothes and photographed kids as we came across them on the street and dressed them there and then. What sort of clothes? Uh, the, well, one of the pictures that stands out is this: uh, we photographed this girl in a huge blue Calvin Klein suit. Oh and wow! Then, like so, proper fashion clothes. Yeah, yeah. Couture proper, stuff. I was about to say, it sounds like that Diane wasn't Arbus. Couture, that wasn't couture, but it was. It was pretty close it, it, visually. If you can. Wow. Um, and then we had like this huge sort of tinsel jumper that we photographed on this kid skateboarding, and the, it's an extremely simple approach, but it, it really did work. And it was it was for man about ta- man about town at the time. Oh yeah, I love that. Um, and, uh, but these these are clothes that they can just chuck on no, rather no. than having to go beyond. Not a so the girl that had the blue Calvin. Yeah. I, I wish I could show you a script. I wish I could show you. Um, right. Will it be on the talk? We'll post it on our talk. Yeah, Instagram. It's, it's just a pinnacle. Really, for me, is such a sort of pinnacle moment because I'd I'd been so used to photographing kids as they were or teenagers yeah. as they were, and then suddenly the idea of then elevating their character or changing their character then opened up fashion higher, it was yeah. like wow you know you can really the sense of play is amazing so mm. uh, we found this kid we asked her parents if we she had like this flowery dress on we we're like can we put this big bulky blue suit on <laughs> um and she just her, her character changed like that and it was it's an inc- it really is re- an incredible moment and anyway so we would we were doing that together and then uh benjamin started working for jonathan um, so then that's where that relationship came from right um, so then if we fast forward to the Wakefield kids it was yeah it was sort of an extension of, of that idea where we had all these amazing archive clothes 
uh, and we wanted to include kids from Wakefield. So I think 140 of them came so over cool. three hours in wait so I, I got like this little window inside the museum and i photographed and it was it was amazing because it was so quick and i really love it when i've sort of sometimes i'm in two when i'm taking pictures i kind of go in two modes where if i put my camera on a tripod it kind of slows life down and becomes very much about composition and color and then i had this and then i actually did start using this other camera which was a pentax and you can be a lot more free and and, that, and i tend to shoot black and white and you can be very and it sort of speeds up life it's very hard to explain but um yeah, so I did the Wakefield like that. How did you find the kids? Was it just like an email, round robin type thing? Yeah, we did like this huge open casting where we got schools involved, and um, and obviously because it was the Hetworth and that's like an institution like that, then we everybody kind of said legit, yes, yeah. yeah. So how so, many pictures were there in the end? Because didn't you pin them all up to the wall? Yeah, there was, uh, God, there must have been about 50, 50 prints, and then yeah, we and then we made like a little zine where it was like all. Oh the yes, kids. that's right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other part of that exhibition, so he was kind of almost not revealing but kind of celebrating I guess his um, influences and um, things that he looked at this is so, J.W. Anderson yeah, yeah 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 so his kind of like even furniture yeah. you know artists like uh, Louise Bourgeois or Sarah Lucas like yeah. they, and then you suddenly saw it in his cl- in, in, in his world as well like in his yeah. clothes and his the way he designed but particularly in the way that he presented his advertising yeah. which you shot a lot of yeah so you also had an installation of those photographs didn't you yeah we had those and then we also did some new ones where we kind of played around with uh some of the collection on models um and then we had that in the magazine as well right, right. um because we'd started working together like that for i uh, actually that was also for man about town and it was just like playing with te- you know we, we did a whole project on uh cotton and we we dressed all these guys completely covered head to toe and you'll have to see the pictures. But no, I've it, seen them. It was a yeah, fun, yeah, yeah. it was I just a fun it. exercise. And that's the joy of, you know, I, I hate to say it, but oh, it sounds a bit cheesy, but the joy of fashion is that you could just be like, okay, I want to dress someone head to toe in cotton and take their right, picture. Right. You know, and there's not that many opportunities or contexts where that might necessarily kind of work or resonate with people. Um, so well, not a regular Joe couldn't do that because they wouldn't be allowed. But I guess <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. because of who you are, you're allowed to do that. And they're like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, it's sort of fun when it, when it, when you think of it like that. And some of the photos had this real sense of sculpture in the physical shape, so the the body was sort of changing shape almost. Yeah, and it reminded me of like Hepworth, and you, you kind of really felt these. Yeah, I thought it references. Was, I thought it, yeah, I actually kind of liked the idea of you know. Because sometimes I think at the best of times with references, you sort of you don't hide away from them, but they're not necessarily as clear. Right. In a, and it was nice to be quite literal, you know, in the idea that you were like, you know, Jonathan loves sculpture and it's in the show, so we're going to play with that with yeah. his photographs, and it actually worked. You yeah, know? it did work, and, th- and yeah. they became their own things again. Probably yeah, exactly. a lot to do with the lighting as well. There was a really intense kind of energy in those images. Yeah, again, it's sort of it's sort of take. I think as a photographer, again, you sort of, your sensibility is sort of built up over time and you sort of, when you're in an unfamiliar situation, like, okay, we've we've got all these clothes, we're playing with sculpture, you sort of tap into, you know, the the, the chance nature of people and all that and then you sort of inject that into what you're doing and then you still have that feeling. It sort of transcends the the clearness of a reference or whatever it may be. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, Yeah. And the early campaign you did with him when he first took over Loewe, yeah. where you had the kind of two male figures um, together with long scarves, and oh yeah, yeah they yeah, were like yeah. outside in coastal. Uh, it was locations. in uh, Spain. Was it in Spain? It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense because it's all made in Spain. The, yeah, yeah. the leather, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I love the idea of like the twin or like the double or yeah. in in those shoots, and I just found that so forward thinking at the time. Well, it was yeah, very fresh, like a like, doppelganger thing. Was it kind of? Yeah, it sort of. It it was more. It was um. So again, me and Benjamin, who was the stylist, we were doing these stories for Man About Town, and I was just basically I used to stroll through this website called Star uh, Star Now, which mm-hmm. is where people sign up if they want to be in photography shoots, if they want to make tea on set. No, and there's millions of faces, millions. So good. Um. So I I. I you know, because I'd spent so much time street casting and doing my own thing on the street, I thought, well, I want to inject that kind of roundness into the fashion shoots. And that's where we started finding these kids. And we found I found this really tall guy who yeah. had an amazing face and then a really short guy who had this incredible face. So we were like, right, plonk them together. And, it, you know, something so simple and naive as that, but it kind of just worked. So then we transferred, kind of basically transferred that idea over to the, to right. to Loewe because you're building, you know, with fashion, I think at the best of times you're kind of building a language. So Jonathan wanted that over in Loewe, so we just kind of transferred it over. Are you allowed to use these images if you wanted to do a show like a retrospective of your work? Are you allowed to use fashion images that a brand has bought? 
Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, they still yeah. belong. They're still your copyright. Yeah, they are. Yeah, because I've I've done quite a few shows where I've kind of mixed the fashion in with 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 work that I've done elsewhere. And I've always struggled with the idea of you know personal work and documentary or fashion because you know if I think if you really believe in the projects, then it all just feeds into one thing. You know, mm. one way of seeing. Mm. Yes, and, I, and I've always really believed that that you know two boys standing on a beach i wouldn't treat any differently to a, a kid in the bus station or a plant in california or whatever it may be mm-hmm. right um you know and, and i think that's so important that that kind of that feeds through and and is visible and is it exciting for you for example with the preston images you eventually much later um exhibited them in amsterdam at the Queen yeah. marseille yeah um like a museum kind of public yeah. space so how was that like doing that installation and didn't you also show a lot of landscape photography in that yeah show? so Huis marseille was a uh it's a photography museum in amsterdam and it, it was this incredible space where they they basically knocked the walls through two dutch houses so mm. you had this incredible there's 14 rooms Super. and the museum gave me every single room and it was this this idea that Ooh. you would each room was a different place that I'd been. Um, and it was like this idea that you would just, it's kind of like a journey, you know, you'd go through, I think the first room was uh, Kashmir and you'd go through there and then the Congo and then, uh, God, there was Brazil, there was uh, Rio. Wow, there was must have felt so there, exciting. There was Antarctica in the, in the, in the roof. So it was this incredible idea that you can kind of, and the, and I, I also did a project on on my girlfriend at the time, and then I did the Preston bus station, and and then I did this nude shoot on a beach with Joe McKenna, who made these like little bonnet hats. So it was just this idea that you can go through all these extremes and all these different places, but it very much feel like one person's point of view and one person's sensibility over all these. Wow! Strength. And there were so many different textures and colours and intensities yeah. of like personality from the location as well. Yeah. But it was very much your. Well, what was remarkable? Your site and what your... was remarkable about that was. Preston so you so basically what I did with the Preston installation was that we'd found like a corridor and some steps and I basically just did a huge circle like I did when I was oh, cool which is very simple but then the, the room next to that was Antarctica which I did for I do a lot of documentary work and I did oh you still do that then the documentary oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's actually more I actually do that way more oh, you know right. like the fashion's almost sort of like five percent it's kind of funny, and it's I was talking about. I was talking so about. Yeah, much, yeah. I was, was going to ask: Did yeah. your career change if you'd? I was talking you'd about experience a documentary photographer. But... No, yeah, I very, it's it's kind of all. I, I yeah, um, it's kind of what I do a lot of. But um, so Antarctica, yeah. So you leave Preston bus station and you come into Antarctica. And I remember at the time when I did an, the pro, the documentary project for Antarctica, which was for Wall Street Journal. It, I couldn't be any further away from Preston bus station in yeah. my mind, in in every way, because uh, I I basically come same from same temperature though, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it, the 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 bus station was like a bloody ice? Box, I bet it so was. It was you needed one of those um, thick Loewe yeah. wool scarves. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> which you want, right? Which I want, which, I <laughs> yeah, which you're saying. I never, I never got one. I'll, get you, I love one. Them. I'll get you one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got a really nice Loewe bag. I remember. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, so glamorous. Yeah, Jonathan gave me that. Yeah, just to um, use it. No, it's in oh, my. It's in my. It's past um, season now, isn't it? It's yeah, not it's even that. Season. It's like an artwork. It's so oh. it's so beautiful. It is a fantastic. Yeah, bag. A, I remember coming to your studio at your house. Yeah. in East London, and just the first thing I said was like, "I love that bag." And <laughs> more, you were like, more, weirdo, than work, more than the work. It's the yeah. weirdo. That's all we talked um, about. Was yeah. Bag. <laughs> yeah. Actually, talking about your house, so it, you, you have such impeccable taste as well. And I remember going into your kitchen, and it was all just like so perfect. I was like, "This is like the perfect kitchen." Like all the different <laughs> textures and the marble surfaces, but it was done in a really unusual way. It wasn't like your typical you know fit out it was a very it felt like you'd chosen every single piece and put it well together. that marble was like this weird irish um that cecilia who, who helps me out sometimes she's from ireland and she knew of this guy who basically had all this marble left over in his you know, it wasn't expensive it was mm. like this but it, the color was like sick so good which sounds really weird but it was like it had like <laughs> oh stri- not sick as in cool like, no, no like, as in, like literally sick <laughs> right uh, uh and it had like pink streaks through it and yeah. all this kind of weird stuff uh so yeah, and also that. you had that amazing um, textile work in a big. Fr- oh, Milton Avery. Milton Avery. Yeah. Oh, who what? Russell you got loved. Milton Avery. So I yeah. wanted to bring that up. It yeah. was a, um, my girlfriend actually at the time. She got it for me, uh, and it's a te- my one of my favourite painters is Milton Avery. Yeah, um, and he made at one point he made these big tapestries, uh, which are sent yeah these tapestries, uh, and to my surprise at the time my girlfriend sort of gave me a little piece of paper and it was the size of like a, a stamp on the paper and she was like I got you this and I was like oh wow 
and then <laughs> she was like, "Oh, but it's a it's a it's a tapestry that's going to arrive in a couple of weeks," and it was hu- it was huge. So amazing! It's incredible. Wow. And you you just been that. teaching me about him at the time, Ross. Yeah, that's right. And I you had a show at the Met in exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that and I said to you, I was like, "I've just he's so incredible, him. so incredible, so incredible." Yeah. Is it Victoria Miro showing? Yeah, the no, it was. Oh, was. Oh, oh, it had the show. I oh, had a show. Yeah, okay, it, yeah, yeah, and it was a good. It was a great show, actually. Uh, oh, that's amazing! You live with that. Yeah, it's really great, and I loved it when you opened all those photography boxes and you were like going through all these different images that I'd never even seen. A lot of the documentation, uh, sorry, d- uh, photo documentary, yeah. rather than you know portraits. And I'd never yeah. seen all that part of your work. And it's it was funny so because, exciting. and it, it's it's funny. I was literally talking about it to someone the other day, and I've been doing these sort of independent shows and stuff just to try and not to get people to know that work because it's you know I enjoy doing it and that should be enough but it's I'm just trying to kind of open open up that that work a yeah lot. and like different audiences as well I yeah guess. and also you know in the context of a gallery and you're trying to work within a space you know as you know it's sort of then you you are you have to articulate something in a slightly different way and work with the space that you have and that's been such an interesting thing to do mm. uh, as well and you know a couple of, I don't know I've, uh, I'm trying to think how long it was now about a year and a half ago I I started spending a lot of time up in Inverness in Scotland and I just found myself making these little sculptures and I had a show of all these little sculpture things and it wasn't it wasn't that I was consciously trying to be like oh I'm going to start making sculpture but it was another nice way of just again just the chance nature of things you know that I was in this place and I started making these things and then I thought well I'll have what, what what were you making them for So th- they were all just found objects on this place where I was staying in Inverness which is in the middle of nowhere yeah um and I started just making these all these little assemblies and then in the show, they well, like were, welding them or gluing. No, no, they're all balanced. So in the show, as part of the show, I would walk around and reassemble them if they fell apart. Um, yeah, so that was part of the show. And that's a, that's like a chance again. Yeah, and it's just I was, it's been so fascinating. I've done you know a lot of things over the last couple of years where it's just building on. Uh, yeah, sounds sort of simple to say, but just the chance nature of things. How do you archive your work? So if you you work on film, yeah, you obviously have the negatives. Yeah, but does your work ever get transferred to digital or an archive somewhere in case? So I print, I print, I print all of my work anyway. So there's always a hard copy like that. How many like do you print? 12, like a twelve by sixteen. But would you do like an edition of that and APs if you were ever going to release them, or would they? Yeah, I've been trying. I it's funny with that because I've had sort of people wanting to buy photographs, and yeah. I've never really known. Oh yeah, we spoke about that a bit. Yeah, yeah. I've never really known what to do. <laughs> yeah, but I make prints anyway for myself in terms of. Do you have like a gallerist, like a no, no, an art I've been, I, no? I've been sort of trying to kind of bridge that gap, at, bridge that gap, I yeah. suppose, and 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 seek that out. But it's sort of it's a difficult one. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think it will just come though in time because yeah, I, I think the more people get to understand that you aren't necessarily because it's funny when Ross said to you. Um, I actually loved this response you, you gave earlier, but when he said, is it amazing getting on the front cover of Vogue? And you were like, well, kind of, but I'm not really that. You know, it's like, yes, you're happy to do it, but it wasn't like you ever wanted to be a fashion photographer. Well, and I don't feel like you have one of those fashion ego things, which can be amazing, though, and entertaining and brilliant and a way of, you know, inspiring people. Yeah. But I don't feel like that's who you who you are, which is probably why I also connected with you more than I would to a flashy kind of, yeah. you know, it's, Yeah, it's, it's, it's not so much about the wanting to be on the cover of Vogue. It's yeah. just make the context of it makes sense yes and and i think that's always the most important you know i've done projects where it's two pages or one page but it makes sense yeah, you know and, yeah. and that's why i want to do it and it, you know you know what i mean it's yeah, sort of, yeah. it's never where are you about, from uh ipswich are you yeah oh, cool yeah where are you from essex ah Cool. So sort of and I'm from ish. Berkshire. Yeah, we're not asking you. Yeah. Well, I'm just. <laughs> You're the I'm posh like, one in the corner. Yeah. I am not okay. I'm, 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 I'm. <laughs> you had um, you had a nickname at school, which I really like. Big ears. Yeah. yeah. I had that as well. Did you? Yeah. I hate. Well, look them. at my ears. But they. But the thing is, my ears aren't big. They're, They're big. little, but they just stick out. Well, my ears were the same now mm. as they were when I was younger. So look at your ears. Behind so imagine at the minute. They can't they're be totally they're, the you've same. You've got nice ears. They're, I but, thought they grow, don't they? But my no. So my my, my head's obviously. So you had a grown. pea head with them ears, exactly. Right, and that didn't go down for, well, <laughs> for, for years. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't just a nickname. It's sort of I, I used to get beaten up for it. It's weird. What? Kids are yeah. Kids are so strange. I got called like wing nut, FA cup. Car doors, yeah. wow! All of those. things. I just had big ears. I, I just got called um, Oscar a lot because the bullies I had were really intelligent and they thought I was gay, which I obviously was. And um, they used to call, cough at me and go, "Oscar, Oscar," because Oscar Wilde was gay. Yeah. And I used to say to them, "Well done, you've done your gay history." <laughs> I, I would like wow. talk back to them. I was so like whatever about strange, it. I just didn't care. I was just like, if you're going to bully me, I'm just going to talk back at you because yeah. screw yeah. you. And um, yeah, I think it 
it's character building, isn't it? Definitely, it is. Um, yeah. So recently, you've talking about your fashion work. Recently, you uh, shot for a, a label that I was obsessed with when I was growing up called Marnie. Yeah, and um, recently oh, obs- he's obsessed well, with Marnie. My well, God, Cons- Consuelo Cast- Castiglione, the original founder yeah. of Marnie, was one of my heroes. And then when she she left and sold the business, um, there's a new designer who you've been working with recently. Yeah. Who um, Francesco Francesco Rizzo? Yeah, and he has actually taken the brand to a really interesting place I think yeah. initially I was really scared because I yeah. was so used to her language but you but, weren't a fan to begin with no I wasn't a fan actually and I was terrified because I was like what's happening where's, where's, yeah. where's, where's my Consuelo going? gone <laughs> where's, you know what's happening he was genuinely distraught but I'm actually wearing a t-shirt today a, old oh is that no, Marnie this is, this is new this is not, not, not new but it's like a year it's past ago season. past yeah. season past season old Vin- Marnie vintage, vintage Marnie but it is Francesco Rizzo <laughs> but it's um, covered in boats because I thought it would signify our meeting and, I'd and the breeze because uh, you need a breeze to get the boats to go exactly our form and they're all moving on there, they are they? all, they are all they're they're going very, somewhere. They're they in are the going wind. somewhere, the just like up, yeah. us. We're all going somewhere. But um, how <laughs> is it clever. to work with him? Because those photographs were really artistic. I mean, really stunning photos. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, like you say, he's sort of uh, he's now. I guess he's got in his stride, so to speak. Yes, with exactly. His, with his, yeah, and um, I sort of, I guess you kind of you sort of notice that when someone gets into their rhythm as a designer. I it's think. great to see, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they asked me to do the the the, the um campaign and I and, and I loved the collection. I was like, yeah, but I'd love to. Um and we actually did a I actually weirdly I went to a town called Almo to photograph this was a few years ago to photograph Michael Heinzer. Mm-hmm. And this you know this land art you know Michael Heinzer? I don't actually he's he's an he's a, he is like the land artist. Oh right. Yeah he's kind of eighty now. Oh cool. Um and he's sort of part of the whole kind of I live like, on the same street I think as Richard Long. Long, yeah. So yeah. I always think of Richard he's, Long. But... Yeah. He's kind of be, he's sort of a generate if you sort of mentioned Michael Heinzer to Richard Long he'd be he'd probably be like I probably should know him, but so that's he's what older I love about than Richard art. Long. He's, he's yeah, four, yeah, Richard yeah, Long. yeah. All um, oh, right, he's incredible. Anyway, he he's for the last sort of like I guess forty years he's been he's been making this uh, piece of art called the city, which no one's ever been to. And the New Yorker asked me to go and take his portrait and do a portrait of the city. Oh wow! In the Nevada desert, and it's kind of a crazy story. Where I, so I was staying in this place called um, oh God, the Cowboys Inn. <laughs> And I've got a T-shirt saying the Cowboys Dream, no which way. is yeah, mm. it's an amazing T-shirt which I got from that inn. Anyway, so it's this inn that's kind of in the middle of nowhere. You stay there, and then you make the drive to th- this place called the City. And again, they're f- he's extremely protective over it because he doesn't want anyone seeing it, or he does, but in a very particular way. Right. Um, and I got there, and it was it, it, it's a long story, but it's kind of um, they didn't really like me at first, and they hid, they kind of took my cameras and took me into a room because basically I'd I'd missed an email saying that someone was going to come pick me up and I made my own way there oh. and they thought that I was someone I wasn't so they took my camera took everything and I'd sit in this little room wow. for like I don't know four or five hours but then it was all fine and they were uh, he was really lovely and it was all great wow. but it was just that little moment um, and then I had this fantastic moment where I had this little min- buggy I mean it's hard for you guys to, to, to visualise because you just, his work's astounding um, and, I, and I had this little buggy and I was driving to get the sun sunrise across this amazing sculpture Wow! there is a point to this story um, so anyway so I did that and then I was staying in this little uh uh, in that was in this town called Almo, and I spent lots of time taking portraits of people there. And the collection before this one, that's just that I just did, we took the collection to this town in Almo and dressed everyone in Almo in Marnie. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, which was kind of fantastic. Again, and everyone got paid, and it was like this really. So that's great... why it feels so different, though, because it, it does feel like new somehow. Those yeah, pictures, and, I love uh, them. And so we did that, and then um, which was great, and then this collection. Uh, which is the I d- maybe it's the one you're talking of. It's like a girl in a in a she's like kind of yes. Um, the collection was so I thought was so strong that it didn't need it, you could just have someone standing in it and it'd be the, really incredible. So I found this really amazing in in France. There's I forgot the sculptor, um, but there's a museum and we asked if we could use this sculpture room because I went there and I I could see that the light was incredible. I know it's amazing. So what was amazing about that it was that so it's a north facing light, but mm. what someone must have done years later it, near this sculpture studio was build a huge white building. So the sun was hitting this white building, oh. and then it was like bringing in all of this incredibly so soft. Architecturally, they did that. They knew. no, no. Oh. So it, this was years later. So the sculpture was the sculpture, and then she passed away. Um, and then they opened the museum, and then someone would have then built across the road or whatever this huge white building. And just by chance, the sun hits that, and because the room's north facing, you then get all this. It's mental. The light. It was truly amazing. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's. And if you're listening, you can actually see a lot of these images on Francesco Rizzo's own Instagram. He's got a hilarious Instagram, which I really find very entertaining, um, called a slice of Bambi, um, and. Yeah, it kind of sums up his very unusual take on the world. Can you access that on a Nokia? Uh, no, you can't. Oh, okay. But you can share your friends' ones. If your friends are Russ and Rob, they both have <laughs> smartphones. Yeah. So you must be a light fanatic. I mean, you must go out in the street and be like, wow, if I could find someone in this light, it'd be really exciting. Yeah, if I do see, you know, I don't do it all the time, but if I see, if you know, if I am walking along and there's a nice drop weirdly when you're in it tends to be when you're in big cities and the light hits the glass of like a business building you'll get this sort of funny you know i think what's his name used it quite a lot um philip law took locker to course her mate oh yeah yeah when he did the street ones yeah but actually i think he might have lit that like but you love natural light i mean yeah you would work natural light all the time yeah 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 but i think as a photographer you do have that where you when you're walking out in the world you sort of could see the potential for something. Yeah, I was hanging out last year with Tim Walker a bit and we went on a walk in Hampstead Heath yeah. and he saw like, you know, a, a rolling hill there and was like, yeah. oh my God, the light today is amazing. We could do a shoot because his is very romantic over the yeah. top kind of, He's you know. He's great, Tim. Yeah. Do you do self-portraits? Uh, I've done two yeah. in my flat. Really? Yeah. What are they like? Uh, I was messing around with, so when I moved into the flat that you'd been to, mm. I had one room where it was like a kind of, I don't know, like a study room, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I just watched one spare bedroom. So, and I was using it to kind of pl- mess around with like sculpture and drawing and mm. just messing around and experimenting. And I had like this massive block of, uh, what's the sort of wet stuff? Uh, clay. Clay, that's it. <laughs> wet stuff, <laughs> I love that. Uh, so, I was messing around with that. And then I thought, oh, it's been d- something else in your apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, massive block of it. What? Uh, uh, yeah, so I was sort of messing around with that. And I thought, oh, I'll just take some self-portraits of me kind of messing around with it so I've sort of got these funny polaroids of me messing around with clay wow want to see those yeah so I don't know if you do they're not very they're we not ask great. every guest um, who comes on the show if you could do an imaginary art heist and steal any artwork or anything from a museum oh, or wow. anywhere what would you take home hmm do you know what I recently got this book called Fertile Image by Paul Nash you know, uh-huh. Paul Nash yeah, painter yeah, yeah. so he before he died, he was sort of painting from all of these photographs that he'd taken over the over time. Mm. And his wife just his wife made a book called Fertile Image with all of these pictures. And they're really amazing. They're like they're very sort of they cross between being very objective of like stones to then sort of like pieces of wood or dead trees or uh, you know, a corner of a boat or some sky. And they're really amazing. And I think maybe if I went into a museum and saw one of those black little black and white photographs, I'd be like, yoink. Dong. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, good one. And then up on up on my wall, probably. Cool. Who who are your f- photography heroes? It's uh, a good question. Um, I really like this guy, William Christenberry. Okay. He he's actually he's sort of a contemporary of William Eccleston. Mm. Um, who's got a show coming up here? Oh, has he? Yeah, Zvernon's got one. Ah, Eggleston, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah Eccleston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I've always been a I, you know I obviously I, not obviously but I am a huge fan of William Eccleston. Um, mm, me too. But he, yeah, but this guy, William Christenberry, he kind of went under the radar a little bit. And um, he he's incredible because he basically spent like 20 years going to this same uh, um, barn, it's green, um, and photographing it over 20 years. And and then what he'll do the is... The same setup. The same setup, yeah. And it, you'll just see the slight decay over the years. But he, he I, you have to see the pictures for it to, to resonate. But And then he'd make sculptures of these barns. And then paintings as well. And so you, you'd really have this like amazing kind of 360 degree of, of a man's mind working through. It's obsessive. Yeah, and it was so, and he's, he's so brilliant. Um, and I have one of his little green barn pictures on my, on my, in my flat. Wow. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, he's always been a, a kind of guy that I've, that I've really, and as well, William Eccleston as well. I was yeah. really lucky enough. The New York Times asked me to do uh, a speech about him to him at this celebratory no dinner. Met last year. Yeah, no, not last year. It was the the New York Times greats. They do like right. this issue once every, maybe once a year, maybe. But then then they have a dinner, and he was part of. The You've got a good relationship with him because the Stone Magazine you worked for a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at the time, uh, who the editor was, she asked me to. Deborah asked me to 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 do the the. The speech, and I sat with his like this on a table with his whole family. Mm. Him, he was sitting there, 
and I stood up and did a speech about his photography. Yeah, so I that's met all him at dinner as well. Yeah, it's very quiet. Oh, he's very quiet. He, he talked. I talked. I talked more hear to anything. I talked more to his daughter and his son. Yes, uh, than him. But it was an incredible moment for me because when it, he's sort of it's a hero. It's, it's, it's funny when you're at university. I think when you when you look at a lot of photography, obviously your taste changes a lot, and so, there's some you know photo books that I look at now and go, God. I, can't believe I like that, but William Eccleston is the type of guy where you you know you're you're brand new to photography and you can you, you, you can know, access you, it yeah yeah and then also twenty years after you've been doing it forever you can still still, still resonate yeah so it's sort of that was a kind of great moment for me wow uh, that's yeah and there's guy Jem Southern that I really like who who did this amazing project called Red River where he followed this river around Cornwall and the pictures are kind of all 10 8 and they're kind of amazing and well i can see this land art like influence yeah. like that you want your land art interest you're saying yeah, about yeah. heisner pictures yeah, and you're yeah, saying about yeah. the green barn you're saying yeah. about this red river it's like well, it all you just like fall, nature. it just kind of just feed it's all sort of yeah it's the natural world and what yeah. the photographs you're taking are of people in their natural habitat it's yeah. like you want to i know there's a real soul to it yeah yeah well it's funny you were saying earlier about poetic. about plants and stuff i i just started to make this little book um, is this Japanese company called the Gold Collection? The wow. Gold Collection, and they do these incredible books. And I've, I, I'm going to do one with them on plants, trees, and flowers. For, oh, for nice! Because I've been to so many places. Like even in Antarctica, there's this one picture I took of these two Arctic terns, and they're mating on this rock. Hot. Wow. Yeah, pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then below them is all this incredible, all these incredible flowers growing on this rock. Oh. And it's like the and that's and there's also another one where I, when I, I did this project in the Congo and I had such an idea again a documentary project and it, I had such an idea of what I thought the Congo would look like mm-hmm. and I had to take this boat journey and I was on this boat and I'd actually fallen asleep on the boat. Um, and I woke up and I looked outside and it was the most amazing landscape I've ever seen. And I ran out and I photographed this one small tree in this huge landscape. Mm. Yeah, again, you have to see the picture. Wow. Um, and, it, and actually, I, the Huis the Marseille show was called Landscape with a Tree. Yes. Because it was all about this idea that you have in your mind what you think something's going to be. And it just is something as simple as a landscape and a tree. But then, you know, once you once you actually see it, it's like it's so different to what I expected. Wow. Wow. Um, and uh, and funnily enough, what was quite funny about that was a guy came to the show. He didn't know my work. He just knew he's Marseille. And then afterwards, he he went to reception and said, "I'd like to complain. There's no, there's only one landscape with a tree in this show." Oh, brilliant! And it was a per. You know what I mean? It's like absolutely <laughs> brilliant that that has happened. Um, but anyway, yeah. That's so fantastic. I, I, yeah, I don't know what my point was, but um, well, our final question for yeah. you. Uh, we're going to tie up the interview now. Cool. Is what is your favourite colour? Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's a tough to d- one, isn't it? Today, actually, today, pro- today, it's probably green. So it changes. Yeah, I think so. What yeah. other days? What? Uh, what? what no, explain why today green? Yeah. Because we're just talking about that tree, the green barn oh. as well, right? Yeah, and the green barn. Yeah. But the tree, I remember, it's just so green. That picture, mm. it's making me think about green. So again. if we hadn't had that conversation, what color would you have said? Mm. Blue, maybe. Okay, interesting. So you're swayed by conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Good. You have lots of colours. I've got one more question that I've always wanted to ask. Well, always wanted to ask. What is the sexiest camera that you could ever have? Do Uh, you have it? The sexiest camera? Probably. Or like the brand. I tell you you what it is. I tell you what. So this the the camera that I have. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's an RB67, and basically there's no batteries. There's no, there's no, there's no batteries, so it's all mechanical. Wow. And you take off the, if you take off the lens and you take off the back of the camera, it is literally a box. It's a box, and I think that's pretty fucking sexy when it comes to cameras. That it's just so, and you can just see through it. It's just, it's literally a box. Um, I'll have to show you both. But, but you have to wind it up. How did you do it? Yeah, so it has this on the. Once you take a picture, there's a there's a there's a big thing on the side where you where you cock it and that cocks the mirror, but it's all mechanical. Wow. And I always just. It, it's it's such a great camera because it's because it's so simple like that it it sort of in a sexy way opens up your mind because you're so because it's so simple it's just a box i can you, and, and the idea like you can put someone in front of a box and take their portrait yeah it's That's kind amazing. of it's kind of yeah. amazing yeah and like i say it has it needs no batteries so i so guess so cool wow yeah well, and I'm also finish... you you love simplicity like nokia phones exactly. so i'm gonna finish go. in a quote that you said that you're successful if you like your own work do you stand by that yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Success what... for you is. 
Yeah, I think because I think the, the woman at the time I was was talking about, you know, if you do lots of work for magazines and stuff like that, mm. and you're, you 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 know you you must feel like a success. But I think you know you could just be taking pictures of stones your whole life. But mm. if that's what you really love, mm. you know, I don't think success is 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 geared towards doing you know commercial work or editorial on an issue. If you're happy with your photographs, then. That's, That's success. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good advice. Well, yeah, we, yeah. we love them. Yeah, we thank you so you come much. On, Thanks so much. Thank no pleasure. Yeah. Thank and for, for everyone listening, please go out and try and buy Preston um, Bus Station, the book published by Dashwood by Jamie Hawksworth, because it's a really incredible book. And then look uh-huh. at our talk art for all images. We're going to be putting a lot of these images up because we reference them a lot and we want you to enjoy oh. that experience as we're going through this. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank we'll be very back much. very soon. Big love. Thanks, Bye. Jamie. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Recorded at Spiritland London by Anthony Shaw and edited by Gareth Isles. Subscribe to Talk Art on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com